Amen. Uh, Elijah is out on special assignment. He signed up for, uh, he and his family signed up for Operation Christmas. And so they are, they are boxing um, goodies up for kids around the world. And so I, t- I told him just to go for it. And so a um, couple of announcements as you turn in your Bibles over to 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, 1 Kings 19 tonight. <clears throat> Some announcements. The youth are going to have a party. Uh, this Sunday after service, uh, they're going ice skating, and uh, parents, you should have all the details on that. Also, um, next Wednesday and the following Wednesday, now I want you to put your pinkies up. You got a pinky square to me. Pastor, I will not backslide. We're going to dismiss next Wednesday and the following Wednesday. Sundays, we're in full operation. We're going to be. Uh, Getting our new lighting system that we voted on is going to be installed next week. And then the following week, you're going to come in and we're going to, we're doing a, a facelift to the sanctuary. We're going to be doing some painting here, changing things about. And so come, it'll be exciting. Amen? All right. So next two Wednesdays will be dismissed. I know some of you have got some Christmas shopping and things to do, so this is your opportunity. Um, but you've, you peaky swore. That's the highest form of, of, of commitment there is right there. It is covenant. We've made covenant. I will not backslide. I will come back strong. Okay, Empty Nesters um, Cup Exchange, also known as Cup Wars, is coming up on December the 10th. One of the highlights of the year. Yes, yes, if you're not an Empty Nester, oh, I'm so sorry for you. And anyway, it's going to be December the 10th. Uh, the Flourish Christmas Ladies Party is going to be December the 11th at 6 p.m., and also, is, is there still time to sign up for the uh, enrichment credentialing classes? Is the sign-up still available? I'm getting a nod. I'm getting a yes, a go for. If you're interested in that, please see Randall. Sign up for that. Okay, take your Bibles with me, and let's look over <clears throat> in 1 Kings. We're gonna, it's been a, a couple of Wednesdays since I've been here. And so uh, we went to Puebla and had a great time, and you heard the report on Sunday. But um, those of you that were not here Sunday, maybe you missed the report. We saw conservative estimate about anywhere from four to 500 people respond to salvation. Isn't that great? Amen. Amen. Along with people getting touched and healed and there was deliverance, and we just thank God for that. Uh, I want to look here in 1 Kings. We're, gonna, we're talking again about the faith life. Faith life. What does that look like? How does it look on me? How does it look on you? We're looking at Elisha as our example. Father, we just ask you tonight, Lord, to move as only you can. Lord, we know if it's within our ability, Lord God, it doesn't require faith. Lord, we're asking you to reach in and touch our heart, God. Bestow upon us the faith that we need to do the work that is before us. Lord, we love you and we thank you and pray for your encouragement upon every heart and every home tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you know you're going to have to have faith to live in the day we're living? Amen? Now, what I've come to believe is this, and this is not part of our message, but it is the message. God gives us gifts. I believe the very hunger in our heart for more of him is his gift to us. Amen? I I believe that healing, it can't be earned, it's a gift. Salvation cannot be earned. It's a gift. But how many know that faith as well 
It's not something we earn, nothing we work for. It's something that is bestowed upon us as a gift. And we're coming into the Christmas season where there's, where there's gift exchange because we understand that Christ was the gift to, to the entire world. But the Lord wants us to live as his children receiving the gifts. Now, what is our part in all of this equation? I've come to discover our part is just believing. We believe and in that approach of the belief, God bestows his gifts. And so we need God's grace. We need his gifts. We need faith. We need healing. We need all of the aspects of those spiritual attributes. But the only way we receive those is just believing in the one who has already done the work. Amen? So let's look here as we look at faith life and we think about faith. We're asking God to gift us and us to be stewards of what he has given us. Now, Elijah has been instructed to go and to raise up the next generation, his, his, the one that's going to take over for him. And so we take up the story in 1 Kings 19, the text in which we drew from last time. It says, so he departed from there and found Elisha. Elijah found Elisha, the son of Shaphat who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him, threw his mantle on him. He left the oxen, ran after Elijah, and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. He said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, bulled their flesh using the oxen equipment and gave it to the people and they ate and he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. He became his servant. Now as you look here at faith life, I want you to look at, as, as we're looking at this, we see Elisha is in the field. Faith life begins with faithfulness. Faithfulness. Now, you plow fields in, in Israel's day, you would do that in the winter months, where it's not always pleasant, where you get out and it's, you know, it's, it's more than a brisk 50 degrees. It's, it's cold outside. You're out there plowing your fields, preparing them for the sowing season that will be coming up. And so he's out there in the field, and he is being faithful. He's with the 12th. He's with, there are 11 other yokes of oxen. They would generally would line them up in a, in, in, in a ray, and the first one would take off, and then the second one would come behind, and the third and the fourth, and so on. But the person pulling the 12th yoke of oxen, we don't know that there were any more. The Bible doesn't tell us that. All we see is there's 12 teams of oxen, and they're out there, and Elisha is there with the 12th. He's at the end of the run. He's eating all the dirt. He is, he is out there. He's the low man on the totem pole. That tells me that it, it likely was not his field. Could have been, I don't know. We don't know that for certain. We just know that he's out there and he's eating dirt. He's plowing the ground. And he's doing that in partnership with others. But we see that Elijah's out there and he's being faithful. Let me tell you right now, and, and I'm, I'm preaching to, I was thinking about that as I was sitting over there. I'm preaching to the choir about faithfulness. 
You know, we're losing that, that little reference, are we not? Because we don't have choirs anymore, do we? You used to in the day, you'd have the 50-member choir, and they'd get up behind you, and they're thumping and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 but we're losing that analogy anymore because we don't have choirs. There's the generation coming up, and they're like, choir, what do you mean preaching to the choir? But when I start talking about faithfulness, and I, I'm, I'm speaking to the Wednesday night crowd, those that are here that are being faithful to the house of God, but don't underestimate the faithfulness. Because Elijah was out in the field and God recruits from the field. I can't say that enough in this house. God recruits from the field. He looked for a prophet. He didn't go to the school of prophets. And we'll see that there was a school of prophets. He goes out into the field where one's laboring. Don't underestimate faithfulness. When the Lord looked for a bride or the, uh, the, the, the near kinsman redeemer found the bride, where did he find her? He found Ruth in the field, working, laboring. When the Lord reached, was looking for a, a, a shepherd to shepherd all the nation of Israel. He went to Jesse's house and they were lined up, ready to go. Oh, Samuel said, he's big and pretty. Let's pick him. No, it's not him. Let's get the next one, the next one, the next one. Not anyone them would do. And Samuel knew that he heard from God. And he said, Jesse, do you have any other children? I've got one. He's in the field. He's in the field. Let me tell you, way leads unto way. There is something about faithfulness that God looks for. Looked up a couple of quotes on faithfulness. Of course, the first two that came up is my favorite author, Anonymous. He says this, God has no larger field for the man who is not faithfully doing his work where he's at. We, many times in, in, in the culture, especially in which we live, there's always bigger, it's got to be better, and we need to start at the top. And, but what we understand about faithfulness is if we were, we got to be faithful in the field that we're in because God doesn't have a bigger field reserved for those who are not faithful in that field. Now, Anonymous again says this, when faithfulness is the most difficult, it's the most necessary. When faithfulness is difficult, I don't want to get up. It's like the man that woke up on Sunday morning. It's like, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to church. And his wife said, why? I said, I just don't like the preaching. I'm tired of the music. I don't want to go. She said, you have to go. He said, Tim, give me one good reason why I have to go. She said, you're the pastor. When it's the most difficult, that's when it's the most necessary. Faithful, faithful. When it gets hard, don't give up. Don't let go. How can there be great faith where there's little faithfulness? That was written by a priest in the 1600s. How can there be great faith when there's little faithfulness? You know, sometimes we read the Bible and we think that the miraculous things happen day in and day out, one, one day right after the other. As we read one chapter in Acts, or the second chapter, that was written over a course of 30 years of history. 
It wasn't just day to day and chapter to chapter. It was, it was, it was 30 years. Paul did a whole lot of tent sewing. <laughs> he did a whole lot of uh, trekking across the countryside in his sandals. You know what I'm saying? There was a lot of rock climbing and a lot of just mundane day to day, one foot in front of the other, just keep going and keep being faithful and just keep doing uh, just keep going, but then you'll look up and look behind you, and oh my God, now all of a sudden your children are there, your children's children, you've got grandchildren, you've got, you, there's things, life just goes on. It seems like forever in a moment, all at the same time. Faithfulness. Don't underestimate your faithfulness. Think, well, I'm not, it's my presence is not needed. Let me tell you, Granny, when you come scooting in, when you come, when you come shuffling in and you come in and you sit down and it's, it, it wasn't just a, a matter of popping up out of, the, out of the easy chair and rolling in the car, it's a matter of, of effort getting in here. I want you to know God notices and I believe people need to notice. Amen? Christendom said this, faithfulness in little things is the big thing. Faithfulness in the little things, those are the big things. See, if we are faithful in that which is least, God can trust us with much. If he can't trust us in the little, he can't trust us in the much. You know, there's a little thing called tithe. Just for an example, I was thinking about that today. The gold that we squabble over and fight for and war, countries have gone to war over, that's just pavement in heaven. And I was thinking about that today, and we use that kind of, kind of jokingly, but the truth is it's a, it's a pathway, it's a foundation. That gold, that, those resources there are just a, are just a foundation. And see, a foundation of our faith, because I believe, honestly, there's going to be freedom. We're going to be free in 2023. I, I believe in part of that is going to be some financial freedom. But when people learn to start to give, and they start, they start bringing the first fruits of their increase, and they give it to God, and they say, Lord, I'm trusting beyond what I can see, and I don't know how, Lord, you're going to, I don't know how you're going to manage this 90% that I have, but I'm just going to give you the first of my increase, and you'll begin to watch God supernaturally begin to bestow wisdom, he'll begin to bestow favor, he'll begin to open doors, and you'll look around and say, how did this even happen? It will be because God's favor is there and it's a foundation if you are stepping into arena of ministry those I'm going to say it if you're going through the credentialing class your first step needs to be tithing hear me hear me I have no plans to say this but I'm going to say it if you are going to enter into a faith ministry let's begin with the foundation the foundation, finances. It is the very lowest level of exercise of faith. And if we don't learn, church, and if there's somebody that doesn't stand behind the pulpit and tell you, then you're going to stay in that position for the rest of your life. 
But if you will learn in faith, through faith, by faith, by the gift that God gives you, and you see those resources as the tools that God bestows upon you, and you say, I don't know, Lord, how it's going to happen, but I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to lay it before you in faith. Now you're laying a roadway, a pathway, that you'll find this laid in heaven. That's some pretty good stuff. Faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. Faith is not, that was written by Elton Trueblood. He said, faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. See, you begin to exercise your faith in whatever area of that you're reaching into or reaching down and and you're, you're letting things go and you're releasing to God and you're just trusting him because faith is rest. And when you get to the place where you're just resting in God, you're like, I don't know how it's going to happen. It's just going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. It's just going to happen. I got trust. Need comes up. We look at each other and we say, we got seed in the ground. It's okay. We'll make it. We got seed in the ground. It's okay. We'll make it. We just got, tr- I don't know how God does what he does, but he does what he does. Amen. How many times you prayed that prayer? <laughs> Lord, I don't know how you do what you do, but Lord God, do what you do. Amen. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Just Lord God, please do it. Now I thought I actually said this myself, but I must've heard Leonard Ravenhill say it because he said, I have no faith in my faith. <laughs> my faith is in God's faithfulness. Amen. Faithful. That's just introduction. So anyway, we're looking here. We're just looking here at a faith life. Elisha was in the field. And he's plowing. And he's plowing. Thank God for those that are getting the field and just plow. Just just keep going. Just keep. Come on. Move. Move. A little bit more pressure to the ground. Get in those rocky places and just keep holding the pressure down. Come on, move. I'll get a drink of water in a minute. Come on, just keep going. I I, I know I can eat a few more pounds of dirt. Just keep going. Lord, could you let the wind let up just a little bit because that oxen in front of me stinks. Okay, just keep going. Just keep moving and moving and moving. Elisha's at the very end of the row. But he's faithful. And I believe that there is a testing ground of the great faith that God's going to bestow on the last day church. And all he's looking for is some faithful folks to say, I'll plow. I'll plow. I'll be the one. But see, if Elisha wasn't in that field that day, Elijah would not have found him. So he comes by, brushes him with his mantle. Elisha was probably heard of this fire commander. I don't know, what do you call him? Fire thrower? Uh, faith? I mean, his, his whole ministry was, was established with fire. And rain. But if you think about it, he carried the fire forward, didn't he? He called fire down on the sacrifice. 
Then he called fire down on the, the 50 that came up because the king was wanting him. I ain't going down there. Fire comes consume them. Bam. Next 50 come out and said, you're going to have, boy, you got to get down there and see the king. Oh, really? Fire, come get them. The next one. <laughs> Prophet, would you please? <laughs> would you please? Just Can you just, would you pretty please? We'll carry you. We'll walk you down. Could you please just go down? And the Spirit of the Lord said, yeah, you can go. And then what does he do? He gets caught up in a chariot of fire. I don't know. I'm just, my longing, my yearning as a pastor and a minister of the gospel is like, oh God, if you would just give me the fire so that when I brush by, Lord, there is something that is ignited in someone's heart. That, Lord God, when I lay hands upon those that are bound, my God, that the fire just consumes that, that yoke and crushes it. And, Lord God, they get up and they're not who they were. But they've been touched by the fire of God. Oh, Lord, give me a church and a people. Let's say, oh, God, I'll plow till the fire comes. I'll stay in the field as long as necessary. I just need somebody that needs to be here when it's inconvenient. Needs to pray when it doesn't feel feel like prayer when the heavens seem to be brass because there's something we've got to have and it's the fire of God God touched me by with that 30 plus years ago I sat and I listened to a pastor and it's like my God I could see the fire in his eyes and I could feel it when he got near to me and Tommy every time he got close to me I thought he was going to eat Something, something that man has just awakened something inside of me. I said, God, I've got to have that. Now my prayer, day after day, service after service, is, oh God, you got to come. You got to touch those with the fire, so that there's something. From you, not from me, but from you through me. Something touches them. That awakens in them. That awakens a generation. Elisha, he stopped plowing, I believe, in that very moment. Those oxen didn't know what was coming. So he's breaking up the plow, starting the fire. Just looking. <clears throat> Killed them. I don't know where he got the pot to that big enough to bull them. Think about it. <laughs> it was a team of oxen. He just killed them, quartered them, whatever. He threw them in a pretty big pot and he's bulling them, roasting them. I don't know. But he's like, come on, people, eat up. That's a lot of meat. I imagine there was some leftovers. There was some big old styrofoam to-go containers that day. They were gathering up. Hey, Elisha's barbecue just opened today. He's serving oxen. Let's go. Well, they gathered it all up. What was he telling them? I don't know where I'm going, but I'll tell you one thing. I am forsaking plan B. I'm not coming back here. I'm not going to come back here. 
if you always leave yourself a, a, a backup plan, you'll always be backing up. You gotta, you gotta burn the plow and bull the ox. You gotta jump from the cliff. You've gotta run through the, you just gotta say no more. I ain't going back. I ain't going back. There is no backsliding in the plan. There's no way I'm going back to that life. I'm done. I'm done. I don't make it with him. I'm, I'm, I'm just not coming back here. I'm done. Would you get that kind of resolve? Let me tell you what the devil will do. He'll be dumbfounded because he has no more hold in your life because he can't deal with a made-up mind. The devil cannot deal with a made-up mind. Come on, mamas and daddies, you determine my kids are not yours. They belong to the Lord. I've had to stand there in that place. We've had to mark an X on the ground and stand our ground and say, you're not getting our kids. You're not going to get my babies. No, not today. I don't care what they're doing right now. That's not where they're going to end up. No, 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 no. I'm, if it takes fasting, I'll fast. If it takes praying, I'll pray. But they will not go to you. We made up our mind. We made up our mind. I got a flaw in my plan here. I've got a new little toy and I can't figure out how to get the thing back on. So hold on. It's dead. There we go. Now it's back off. Come on. Shh. Just look at your neighbor. Don't stick ignore what I'm doing here. Fly, little child. Fly. I don't even know where the on button on this thing is. Oh, now it's upside down. Hold on. Oh, good night. Okay. Y'all didn't leave my clock up there. I don't know what time it is. Okay, I got plenty of time. Okay. See, without faith, without faith, it's impossible. In other words, there's not a possibility to please God. If if we don't if we don't walk in faith, we cannot conceivably believe that God can be pleased. God's not going to bless what doesn't please him. What pleases him is faith. What pleases him is my need for him. What pleases him is my relationship with him. See, he's made us to be relationally dependent. Why do you think the devil wants to fight relationship? Because together we are better. And together we are more powerful. Together we can, we can take on thousands and ten thousands. Separated, isolated, and alone, we are prey to the enemy. 
But together in relationship, and especially our relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, when we're in relationship and that relationship is strong, this relationship is strong. It's when that relationship is severed that this relationship is affected. If we'll get this relationship right, the rest of it will begin to take care of itself. We'll begin to walk like him, talk like him, act like him, look like him. We will begin to serve like him. We'll begin to believe like him. We'll begin to see others as God sees them, and all of a sudden things begin to change. But see, without faith, you cannot please him. But what we know is that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Faithfully seek him. Go after him every day. Pursue him and let him pursue you. Amen. You know, when you have a prayer time, conversations are not one way. It's not always you. Now, you can learn the art of praying and communication where you can actually be speaking and listening at the same time. You can be praying in the Holy Ghost and your ears attuned to the Spirit and listen to what God is saying. But there's also times where you need to sit down and you need to close your mouth and you need to close your eyes and open your ears and your heart and just listen to the Lord. Amen? Now, Jeremiah says, see, faith will forsake plan B. Faith is faithful. And also, Jeremiah 2 and 13, for my people have committed two evils, not one, but two. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewned themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. What is what is the Lord saying through Jeremiah in this passage right here? Fountain of living water. Now you can go 40 days without food, but you can go about three without water. What is he saying? He's saying they have forsaken their life source. I'm no longer their source of life. I've forsaken. They have forsaken their life source. They've forsaken me as their deliverer, their sustainer, their healer. See, there's many in the house of God today, they're sourcing their own salvation. They're sourcing their own salvation through their own self-effort. See, because they, they have forsaken the fountain of living water, the source of life, and they've hewn out cisterns, broken cisterns that'll hold no water, that'll hold no life. See, the tactic of the enemy has never changed. He wants to alienate you from the source that gives you life by you becoming your own energy source, your own strength, your own, uh, your salvation is dependent upon you. Your healing is only the measure of your faith and all of the things that, that you're striving for. He wants you to work, 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 work. That's called religion and that's the message of religion. 
But what I just told you in the beginning of this, in the introductory remarks, is that what we have is given to us by gifts from God to his children. And all he's asking from us is us to believe in him. And now all of a sudden when we begin to operate knowing he's the source of my salvation. He's the source of my deliverance. He's the source of my hope. He's the source of my healing and my joy. See, because any other thing is just broken. And it will hold no life in it. It's a lifeless retainer. You can pour stuff into it. The grace of God can fall down. See, a cistern works as a cutout. Generally, a, a pretty large cutout to hold water that comes down from heaven. Where the source come to begin with? It comes down from heaven and it fills up that, that cistern. See, they dug those out. But they're broken. And they're not going to hold any water. See, the very thing that we're trying to hold on to was given to us by grace to begin with anyway. Does this make any sense? Don't be the source of your salvation. It's been sourced 2,000 years ago. Don't be the source of your healing. It was sourced 2,000 years ago. Don't be the source of your hope. He's your hope. Amen? If you can do it, then why do you need faith? that they didn't put my clocks I have no idea what time it is I said all that to say this last little part here this so impresses me of all that that happened in that passage of scripture and even the even what he gave up this last few words of that chapter is the most impressive part of that whole story he forsook everything, he left it all, and he became Elijah's servant. He became a servant. I told them this in Mexico at the, their, their ordination service. When I step into a room, I look for, no matter where who has the position, I want to fellowship with the servants. It doesn't matter if it's the king or the, or, or, or the servant down below. I'm, the people who have a, a servant's heart, they are the most impressive people to me. The individuals that, that, that are not looking for a position in order to validate who they are, but they have the heart of the Father and they're serving because they know they're about the Father's business. They're, they're serving. That, that servant's heart. See, Elisha, he didn't show up. And say, okay, Elijah, I need you to, there's some things I need you to do for me, okay? If I'm going to take on this mantle anointing and I carry on this fire throwing around, you know, if I'm going to call fire down from heaven, I'm going to need you to, I'm going to need you to sit down and instruct me. Come on. Come on. No became a servant he began to anticipate Elijah what are your needs Elijah how may I best relieve your burdens how can I see because when you're elevated in leadership 
your rights decrease. You don't have the right when you start reaching levels of leadership to blow up at will. You don't have the right to just say your peace every time you feel your peace needs to be said. Leadership doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God. If you do that, you diminish your own leadership. You've got to walk in a servant's attitude. One of the most impressive individuals that I had ever met in my life was Brother Godance. We landed in the Ivory Coast on 9-11. You know, when we landed in the Ivory Coast in 9-11, it was chaos to begin with. Machine gun individuals standing there and, and, and people walking around and people speaking language I didn't understand. And here comes this little man in stature comes along and he's greeting everybody and he's he only he's only speaking French and he's grabbing our bags I'm like who are you and and the missionary comes and we realize he's with the team and we walk and and, and we gather all of our stuff and and, and it, some people are trying to carry our stuff out of the airport that not part of our team so so I'm like okay all of my team you guys get on the on this bus and I'm going to go with this man who I can't understand. And I'm going to go with our stuff. And he doesn't speak my language. I don't speak his. We get on the bus and, and we're driving. It's the middle of the night. And I, I'm, I mean, I'm just, the towers have fallen. I can't get a hold of my wife. I'm a little bit in the freakout mode. And I'm in a bus with a guy and his, uh, I'm hoping it's his wife, but we're driving along and they just keep looking at each other and they look back at me and smile and look at each other and look back at me and I'm like, oh, 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 what are we doing? Who is this person? And we drive and we lose sight of our team. I thought, I'm in the middle of a country. I don't know nothing about nothing and I'm driving with people and where are we going? It's the middle of the night. Drive along and people are setting out, smoking and drinking and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I thought, where are we going? We pull up and they're like, so I get up. It's like, okay, where are we going? We walk in front of this big iron gate. Brr, brr, brr. Thank you for the sound effect. This room about as big as a foyer, and the rest of the house is probably twice that size. That was the whole house. There sits my team, drinking Fanta, orange drink, and eating French fries. Come to find out, the man that was there, Brother Godance, who gathered our bags. He pastored five churches, angels. His big church was 3,000 people. He had, he had several other churches of 500 in the congregation that he was responsible for. He was the assistant superintendent of the Ivory Coast. He had a women's shelter that housed 300 women. And this man had one of the greatest servant's hearts that I've ever seen. He stayed with us. He walked with us. He carried our bags. He treated us with such honor. And when he got up and spoke, my God, 
I didn't understand a word he said, but man, I could feel every word that he said. Why? Because he was a servant and he knew how to serve. And he became a servant to someone and that mantle was passed on to him and he walked. I want you to know that God is not looking for persons looking for position. He wants people that are looking for proximity to that anointing that'll walk and serve the anointing and walk there and find out, God, what do you need from me today? How can I serve you? You know what Elisha's claim to fame was? In the valley of Edom, they're there. Elijah's been carried away in that chariot of fire. Jehoshaphat teamed up with the king of Israel and found himself in the valley of Edom of all places. They said, is there a prophet here? Well, there's Elisha that used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. There was a servant of a prophet who became the servant of Elijah. He's here. Go get him. His claim to fame. He served. to the point in faithfulness forsaking all others because he understood it's not about the position the anointing always elevates the position and if you want to be elevated, you've got to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And you've got to understand that you know you're a servant when you've got an attitude of a servant. And you can know how much of an attitude of a servant you have when you're treated like a servant. That you're not looking when you walk in the room for the highest seat. This man... Brother Godance walked with us and he cared for us and he was always the last in line and he was always allowing people in front of him. And I don't know about you, but that is what impresses me. It's not the people in the position. It's the attitude in the position. And what God is looking for is people who have a heart of service. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. You want honor? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. <laughs> Let me tell you, this is the thing you think you say about service, Andrew? You, you, the, the, about the, the time in service? Come on, spit it out. Come on, let the anointing use you, woman. Oh, let the fire of God hit you. It's good, I'll get back to you. Think about it. I might need it here. Come on. It's a thing about service. You say all the time. You, 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 when you stop marking time, come on. As a servant, you've mastered it. That's not true. Say it. Say it right. Now, you all witness, I gave her a chance. All right. When you stop marking time as a servant, when you stop marking time as a servant, you have become 
the heart of a servant. Mm. Lord, I'm going to serve you and serve you and serve you. When do I get elevated? When do I get elevated? Lord, I'm going to serve you, serve you, serve you. Joseph had to go through that, didn't he? You guys remember me. Remember me. Serve, serve, serve. Would you stop counting time and realize the service is the work of the kingdom? The Lord said, now I can trust you. Now I can trust you. This is the reality. Those of you I'm looking at right now, hear me if you don't hear anything else. Hear me. You have been divinely ordained of God for this generation, for this time and space. What is the Lord looking for? He's looking for faithfulness. He's looking for an all-in attitude. He's looking for forsaking plan B. And he's looking for your heart to be as his heart, to be a servant, serving the needs of others, letting God use you for the kingdom of God. Letting the Father's heart be revealed through you. If you believe that, I know this is a setup, but I'm setting you up. If you believe that tonight, would you stand? You're sitting down, I know. I'm not going to look. I'm going to give you a minute. I know you believe it. I know you believe it. Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now? Father, we surrender. Oh, Lord, we're not looking for elevation. Lord, you're not looking for position. You're looking for those who want proximity. Those that want to be close. Well, you don't know where to go, child of God. Just go lower. Just get a little bit lower. You don't know what position to take. Take the lower position. God will call you up. Quit worrying about where you look. Start letting the anointing elevate where you're at. Let, let, the, let the kingdom of God begin to flourish through you. Father, I'm asking, Lord, for the servanthood of Christ to be birthed in our hearts. For, Lord, sons and daughters of the kingdom are interested in your business above all else. Father, there are those that have, they have kept their hand to the plow. They've been in the rough seasons. They plowed when it wasn't convenient. They were faithful when it was hard. They were faithful through the loss. They were faithful through the pain. They were faithful through the suffering. They were, they were faithful to the hurt. And Lord, you saw them. You saw them with their hand to the plow. And Lord, you were impressed. And Lord, I believe there's an elevation coming to the kingdom of God and to your children. I, I'm, I'm feeling the spirit of prophecy, church, right now. There is elevation coming to the house of the Lord. 
You have been faithful and you have wondered, God, have you seen me in my home? Have you seen me in my workplace? Uh, have you seen me in my ministry, Lord God? Uh, have you seen me? And the Lord says he has seen you where you have been and what you have been doing. Uh, and God knows uh, and he is the one who is going to elevate. He's the one going to lift you up because he has assigned you to this day. Not another day, but this day he has assigned you. Lord, we receive in this house tonight. Lord, we receive in this house tonight, Lord God. Every false image, Lord God, Lord, that is tried to be laid upon us, we wipe away in Jesus' name. And let the glory of God and the power of the Spirit of the Lord, Almighty oh, God, you're going to elevate your bride out of the field. You're going to elevate the authority of the kingship out of the field. You're going to elevate the prophets, my God out of the field of faithfulness, Lord God. And Lord, we thank you tonight for the release of the Spirit of God. Come on, begin to pray with me. God, bring a release in the house of God. Bring a release in the house of God. Lord, our children, our children's children, we will not give up. We will not let go. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'll begin to release, Father, from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Let the captives, Lord God, begin to find liberty. Let the house of God begin to find liberty. Let there be Lord God, a, a, a Lord of freedom Lord God. We don't wait till 2023. We want to walk in freedom now. And Lord God, just begin to waltz and dance into freedom when it comes a new year. Father, we ask it in your name. Lord, begin to release God faith. Begin to release healing. Begin to release gifts and callings and purpose in the name of the Lord. Oh, Father, you have called us, Lord God, to a life that pleases you and what pleases you Lord God is for us to believe in you Lord and Father you will supply all of the rest in Jesus name do you believe it tonight hallelujah come on and give him praise come on give him praise tonight I have spit all over my new toy Y'all don't touch that, it's gross. Okay, tonight as we close, um, our ushers are going to prepare for our missions offering. I want us to pray tonight. We're going to pray this and then we're going to close it off right there. I want to pray for our missionaries in sensitive countries. Okay, cut, cut the live feed if you will, guys. <laughs> 